second episode of Just Get Real Job. I hope you enjoyed episode one. Before I begin today's episode, I just wanted to quickly say a massive thank you to anyone that listened to last week's episode, but also to my good friend Elliot Mitchell for an amazing job on the jingle for this podcast. I hadn't heard it when we recorded episode one, and I can't believe how good a job he's done of it. I think it's great. So yeah, thanks Elliot. So today I'm really excited to talk to a good friend of mine. My favourite Greek man, the next Roger Deakins, it is, and I'm going to muck up the second name, it's Leo Elifaridis, cinematographer, Esquire. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you booted my last name, but it's fine. I'm happy to be here. It's an honour. And I have to say, very nice artwork. Yeah? Yeah, very nice artwork. This podcast has... Probably the best podcast logo I've seen in my life. Oh, yeah, yeah. The artwork on this podcast is uh, immense. Yeah, I've not actually got the artwork at the time of recording yet, but it's going to be immense. Oh, I've seen previews of it, and it's thick. How are you today, Leo? What are you up to? Uh, I'm very good. I've been busy sending emails to everyone on FilmBank, trying to get a real job. Ah, very good. Very good. So It's been weird. I thought we'll we'll start this... uh, lovely interview by talking about your earliest memories of creativity so um the cinematography part came like very late on um as a youth in my innocent years um well, i used to draw a lot right growing up i used to read comic books and then i would create stories in my head and then i would make comic books that's cool uh, yeah, I had my own Star Wars storylines, comic books. I still have them in Greece. Like, I still have my very first comics. What what sort of comics were they? Can you, what, what type were they? Like, superhero stuff? So, one or? of them, like, the most important one was a Star Wars fan fiction, let's say. Okay. Then I had my own superhero. Your own superhero, did you say? Aye. So? And what, what was he called? Oh, it's a Greek name. It doesn't make sense. No, no, let's hear it anyway. <laughs> it's hyper uh, chamito meat. Ah, okay. Totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and then there was this game I used to play on the computer called Puzzle Pirates. So I made a comic book about my character of that game. So you, you like adventures. drew you drew all of it yourself and wrote it, like the stories for it? Yeah, basically. That, that's, that's very nice, though. Oh, thank you very much. You're such a wholesome child. So after that, my parents sent me to a um, drawing studio so I could learn how to actually draw. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I want to be an architect. You, oh, yeah, I've got, I forgot you told me that one. So you, wanted to, you originally wanted to be an architect, didn't you? Well, originally I wanted to be a journalist. <laughs> You'd had a lot of flips changes in your... Uh... Oh, 100%. 100%. How, so how old were you when you did the drawings then? Um, I, I started doing the comic books in primary school, like fourth year of primary school. So how old is that, like 10? 9, yeah. 9, 10. So you were, from a really young age, very creative, basically. 
Well, I don't want to toot my own horn, Jamie. That's <laughs> if you say so. Oh, this is the place for that, man. This is, you know, a podcast speaking to I was super creative. So basically what happened was my dad used to paint, right? But he would also like collect these old cameras, film cameras. And then he was a huge cinephile as well. So that sort of got you more into the cinema? Yes, 100%. Oh. And then my mom was in fashion. So that kind of was the more... But I say I, want, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a fashion journalist. Yeah, so do you think your parents' influence around you was a big factor in... Yeah, of... yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to talk about... So where about in Greece actually did you grow up exactly? Oh, it's a very small town called Drama. Mm-hmm. It has 40,000 people, population, and, but it's a very artistic city. We have, we have the biggest shopping festival in Greece and one of the most important, important ones in Europe. It was actually the first film festival in Greece. Wow. So was that a, also, do you think growing up there was a massive factor in your sort of early creative yeah, development? Yeah, because also my grandpa was one of the founding members of it. So you are pretty much from a very filmy background, a very creative background. Uh, yeah, I'd say my family's into art a lot. My uncle is a director as well. Oh, yeah. And you, did you not say your uncle was a cinematographer, a photographer as well? Uh, he, was a, he was a director and now he does ah, art. Okay. Uh, but in Greece, we have a very good, like, good relations with uh, the people that baptize us, basically, our godfathers, right? Mm-hmm. And my sister's godmother, she has two kids a photographer and a dancer and they've all been a part big part of my life wow so it sounds like so, quite exciting actually like a, a quite a, a fun upbringing yeah it was like very arty i'd say we went to theaters we went to performances they took me to photograph exhibitions painting exhibitions they really 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 like did not give me a chance i was gonna <laughs> be an artist or nothing else. yeah and what so what age did you sort of was there an exact age where you started to think I don't really want to be an art, an artist anymore. I want to, you know, do all this other stuff. Mm, I don't want to be an artist, you said. Yeah, like what was like what age did you start to think I'm more into this film stuff and I want to sort of do that more than the art? I think I realized that in art school actually. So I did fine arts for my undergrad and we did video art in it. So there, my friend, because I knew how to edit, I was out of the group of friends that I had at the time, I was the best one at editing. So my friend asked me to help him shoot and edit a thing, right? And up to that point, I had only done stop motion and stupid shorts on the phone. So we saw this film and I was very intrigued by the whole process. I was like, oh, I really like this and I really like how it looks. So I then decided to do a documentary. So do you, what, do you, what, was, what was the film about? Like, do you remember like what it was? Yeah, it was basically, you, you saw the whole thing from the perspective of an item, but an unidentified item. So it starts off, we bury the camera in the dirt, basically. And then we brush the dirt off it. So the guy, so you see everything through, the, through this object, like this guy finds it and then brings it home and then calls his friend and have a conversation about it. And they're like, oh, this is important to the police. He's like, I'm not going to call the police. like, oh. I'll keep this and sell it. And then it cuts to dark. It's now night. And then you just hear noises. And then two people break in. Mm-hmm. And you just see them find it in the darkness. It's very... It, like the influences were clearly Breaking Bad and Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. Which, of I, course, most early when, film school students are. Oh, uh, 100%. <laughs> I have a Pulp Fiction post in my room. <laughs> I think we all have at least owned one at some point. Uh, we, we, have, we have one in our podcast studio at the flat, so I think we're all guilty of uh, that. 
of course could do. What what what's your favorite Tarantino film when we're on the subject? We'll quickly. Uh, Iglo's Bastards. I think that probably. Aye. It's either that or Pulp Fiction for me, definitely. I'd say Pulp Fiction is my second favorite one. Yeah, I think they're definitely the both the top two. What's the yeah. worst Tarantino? Oof. Um, I don't like Jackie Brown that much. Yeah, I've only I'd actually say... seen that one once, and I feel like I didn't give it enough of a chance. I think that's the case with me as well. So I'll just say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I See, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and no one else seems to like it, and I really enjoyed I it. Like them, I didn't like them, I think I love the 60s, and I quite like the you know the time of it. I, know, I liked how it looked. What's your least favorite Tarantino film then? So I've not seen it, but everyone says Death Proof. But I think my the one I'm not as keen on, probably Kill Bill 2. I prefer, yeah, that's Kill Bill a, 1, I much prefer. Nice. Although it's, suppose Kill Bill is really one film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why people don't say... I think the second one is weaker. But if you count them as one film, it's a pretty strong film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, we're just now uh, rambling about how films we love. Uh, I think I we, <laughs> <laughs> where were we in your original story? Oh, original story. Oh, yeah, um, we were talking about the, the first film you made that you edited and got into film. <laughs> ah, yeah. So I made this documentary, right? So I was part of a theater group, and we we were preparing a play. And I thought my teacher gave me like a word, and he was like, "This is your subject." And the word was "road." Yeah. Make a film on the road, right? So I said, well, I'm part of this theater group and we're preparing this play. Mm. I'll name Rogue for the premiere and I'll just secretly record all our characters, interview some people, like the whole process of writing and making this play and I'll make it into a documentary. Mm. So that's what I did. It took me five to six months. Wow, that's a long time. It was like 35 minutes long. And you said it was a a documentary, did you say? Yeah. Well, so it was all about you guys acting, basically, and, like, this production. Yeah, like, preparing this theatre play. Because you used to act as well, though, didn't you? In yeah, Greece. I did. So you've you literally, like, done so much creative stuff, and you're only 25, and you've done all this stuff. Like, it's, 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 it's very interesting how multi-creative you are. I don't know, like... <laughs> I think most people, like, you know, like, you've acted as well, haven't you? Kind of. Like, I was in some, like, you mu- sung. I was in some musical stuff at school, and I did a few plays, and I did drama, but I wouldn't say I was ever, like, I didn't do anything that professional, so I guess you could say I, I did acting. I think everyone has done a little bit of this, and then it was, uh, like, I never really thought, I never said, oh, I'm creative or something like that. I'm just doing what I'm good at. Yeah, you don't really think about it as, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, you're just sort of doing it because it's just what you like. Yeah, like, I wanted to act. And I was like, oh, do you want to make a theatre group? And I was like, my friend was like, yeah, so we did. Yeah, but that's the magic of it for me. You know, people... No, no, yeah, I agree. It's, it's nice. So, yeah, so you did the documentary and that was all part of your fine art degree, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So then it was there what was, oh, I really like this. I want to make film. And and, and, was, and you were 22 then, right? I was, the documentary I did, the second year, I was 20, mm-hmm. and then I was 20 when we did the first film, my stop motion video. I was 21 when I did the documentary, and then I was 20, I went to Spain when I was 22 for Erasmus, right? So I didn't really do anything then, and then when I came back, so I was 23 when I came back, it's when I started to write and produce, let's say, air quotes, my... My dissertation feature. So, yeah, I was 23, let's say. But at the time, I was calling it directing. 
Yeah, because you wanted to be a director, and then you, am I right? And then you realized, actually, no, I want to be a cinematographer and I want to film stuff. Yeah, so I was directing my film, and I remember my actors were asking me, how do you want to act this? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't care, just the script that out. Just <laughs> let me play with my camera. Just go wish. I was like, oh, no, I, I, I honestly, one of the times I remember saying, do you have a script with you? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> what are you asking me? I can't imagine you like um, directing someone in that way. Not in a bad way. It's just because whenever you're on set, right, you are amazing mm-hmm. to be around. Like, and I'm not trying to just like compliment you and stroke your ego, but like everyone says on the sets we'd worked on together, like you are like the center of the set. Like you make everyone laugh. You're, you know, you're always smiling. And even, you I mean, you get stressed sometimes. We all do. But I think you, <laughs> yeah. Like, so I just can't imagine you like being the director of it, and I don't mean that as an insult. I, I mean that as a compliment. It's just a funny image to think of you directing. That's why I think I didn't. I right now I don't want to direct. Mm-hmm. I can't be, you know, do this, do that. I'm making the final calls. I'd much rather be, you know, like have fun on set and be nice and just chill and make this. And also, like camera is just amazing. So you sort of finished this fine art degree, right? And yeah, how, and you don't go straight to Edinburgh, do you? you? You do you have a bit of time between? Yeah, so I I had this gap year mm-hmm. that I spent back home. Yeah, and did you sort of do much in that time? And did, were you like filming stuff and getting ready and thinking I'm going to be a cinematographer now in that gap, or were you still thinking I'll be a director then? So at the time I was, I had just finished my film, right? And then I was like, I need, I need to be practicing. I'm, there are many mistakes I could see. So what I did was I was watching films mm-hmm. and I was picking my favorite genres mm-hmm. and then I was picking tropes of them, if that makes sense. So for example, I may, and then I, I like noir films, right? So I would say, okay, I'm going to make a noir trailer mm-hmm. because I, I couldn't write and shoot the whole film again in a year. So I said, I'll write a noir trailer. I'll write a basic story. I'll think of the coolest scenes that should go in a trailer. <laughs> combine tropes and then make trailers so i made six trailers uh-huh. i made a noir film trailer my film my film trailer which is tarantino guy Ritchie hybrid <laughs> what, what were they called uh the trailer is called the, the noir one is the lost nazi treasure <laughs> oh, yeah i remember that was one of our first conversations we ever had when we met you told me about yeah. these, these films and i was just like pissing myself <laughs> Oh, amazing stuff. Uh, <laughs> like in the movies, mm-hmm. available on YouTube now. Um, so these are on YouTube? Troy is... Sorry? Uh, did you say? Did you just say these are on YouTube? Yeah, there is a YouTube on and my, and my portfolio page. Come closer. I will tell you a story. The story of Humphrey Welsh, the infamous detective, dragged in a story of mystery. Bring me the girl! Do not scam! Bring me the chat! American fine. Oh I, I will link I will link these. I will link these to the podcast when I put out. Okay, I'll send you a link. <laughs> I um, wanna watch them myself. Troy is my Rocky knockoff. Okay. Um extraterrestrial communists. Yes. I love that. That's one. my B movie sci fi. Yeah. Is that one set in Scotland, am I right? Ah, uh, the sequel is in Ah, okay, we'll get to that later on. <laughs> uh, what else do you have? Uh, um, I have a jazz documentary, mockumentary. Wow. 
And you shot and you shot all time. you shot all these then? You should, like filmed all of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And ah, I have a recreation of Jean d'Arc. <laughs> the friends impressionist film. Mm. I think that's it. That's cool though. So you do all these, right? And this, and uh-huh. and then you think you apply to. So do you apply to Screen Academy straight away, or do you look at other places in Greece? Like, do you want to leave Greece at this point, or like, yeah, I want to leave this point. So I look at Berlin, Paris, London, Glasgow, and Edinburgh. That's quite a a good um, list of places you got you had there. I need to like I need to to prove to people that I have uh, dreams and stuff. <laughs> Deep down, I know. London is too expensive. I don't speak French nor German. <laughs> so realistically speaking, it's just Glasgow or Edinburgh, right? Yeah, and you made the best choice picking Edinburgh, in my opinion. Oh, I know. Thank you. <laughs> I know. No regrets. So I applied for the uh, Glasgow Fine Arts Academy, mm-hmm. the University of Edinburgh Film Course, mm-hmm. the Napier Film Course, yeah, and weirdly, Creative Advertising in Napier. Um, and I get accepted in all four. Okay, wow. Um, the University of Edinburgh, I say no to because they make documentaries. Ah, okay, and you want to make fiction. I want to make fiction, yes. Yeah. University of Glasgow, they emailed me back and they gave me an interview. But I had made inquiries and I knew it's mostly based on theory. Right. And, and it's not practical. Mm-hmm. So the creative advertising give me some creative tests to do for which I send them five naked pictures of myself. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Five naked pictures of me posing as ancient Greek statues. And did you take these? Yeah, I took this. Yeah. And and can we see them? <laughs> yes. Can I see them privately? <laughs> I can, like, I don't care. I can show them to you because my private ones covered by huge fonts. Mm. So basically, okay, let me explain. <laughs> they said, like they sent me a, a 12 creative tests, right? And they said, pick seven of them. Yeah. One of them was make a, a clothing line <laughs> about yourself with embarrass, like will embarrass you. Embarrassing facts about yourself, right? <laughs> so I, I thought, I'm Greek, right? Yeah. And what would make me comfortable? People seeing me naked in public. So I posed as naked ancient Greek statues. <laughs> I edited the photos to make them look streetwear like Yeezy style. Yeah. Right? They like have colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I took the names of the statues. I posed as Hercules, Hermes, as Kuros, <laughs> Apollo, and Laocon. Oh, what an image. Right? And then I wrote the name in mm. a blocky uh, Bauhaus font and I placed it on the picture just enough to hide my penis, basically. <laughs> Put that on five t-shirts and I sent it to them. Wow. Now, I applied for creative advertising to appease my parents who wanted me to do something more um, easy to make money from. Did they want you to just get a real job, did they? Yeah, basically they wanted me to get a real job <laughs> in advertising. Okay. Wink, wink. Yeah. And then, well, that was it. But at that point, Susie B had already told me that she's going to offer a position in MFM in Napier, right? Yeah, and that, as a cinematographer, you applied, right? Not a director. Yeah, yeah, as a cinematographer. Cool. Yeah. So on the interview, I told them, I have two days to reply to MFM, and that's my priority. So yeah. tell me now, do you want me or not? 
and they were like, well, you don't want us. And I was like, yeah, I don't. I just did it for my parents. So they never offered me position, which was good for me because I would just then say, well, mom, dad, Napier it is. And now I'm here. So you're at the Screen Academy now, right? Um, Aye. So what, what were your experiences there as a cinematographer? Did you enjoy it despite the COVID disruption we had? Uh, so it was very nice, very practical course. Um, I learned so many things that I had no idea about film. Uh, the tutors I got to work with were just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, like two days after I got my degree, uh, David Byrne <laughs> taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And like I still like I emailed him the other day, just asking him for advice and send him the film just so you know he gives me his feedback. Like I, I met and other than like the tutors, uh, the camera crew and the screenwriters and everyone, it's just great. And it was just nice being surrounded by creative people. Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, like basically you feed off everything. Overall, it's a very pleasant experience. I have my um, I have my issues with how we were taught mm-hmm. and how some things were made to seem super important when they really were not. In terms of like essays and stuff like that, do you mean? Or? In terms of how they treat film in this course yeah. and how film should be treated according to my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, but also according to how this course makes it seem like these graduation films are everything, which would then make us not take risks when I think film school is the place to take risks because nobody's yeah. going to ever watch. Like, I totally agree. Films, right? so do, you, do you think some things are a bit safe or they wanted you to be a bit safe? Yeah, I think some decisions were made on these films based just on the fact that, oh, we need like, to make them perfect. And we didn't, like, I, will never, I won't get it to be a film that works as if it has a huge budget, but it actually doesn't. Uh-huh. That has this amazing equipment, but that nobody will care about. Like it just it it's freeing knowing that oh nobody's gonna have this film. Yeah, maybe we'll send them to festivals, right? But who cares about my graduation film? So I can do whatever I want with it. I can experiment and I can learn from mistakes. Yeah, you can take risks and you can be a bit more ambitious with your cameras and and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll in a minute I'll, I'll get you to talk about like the, the the final films you made and you were the DOP for in a minute. But before that, I just wanted to sort of talk about who are your, like, cinematographer heroes? Like, are there any people, camera people that you really look up to and and have had a big influence on how you are as a cinematographer yourself? Well, now that you mention it, out of the blue, Jamie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, obviously, like, Roger Dickens, who's one of the, if not the best cinematographer. And just for anyone listening, what who might not know about him or not know about his full uh, catalogue, what's what has he worked on? What's the big projects he has, has DOP'd on? Um, like one of his most recent famous films would be 1917, right? Which is exceptional, isn't it? One of the best films of this it's, year. Yeah. Exactly. It looks amazing. Um, most of the Cohen films you've seen were mm-hmm. DP Vikings. Yeah. So Fargo, Moses. That's great. Um, which are all so interesting. Yeah, also beautiful, like, aren't they? Yeah. Skyfall, of course, with one of the most stunning James Bond. And then my personal favorite, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, 
that is just I like I I think it's better than the first Blade Runner. I think it's better than the first Blade Runner. I think it looks better. Definitely. Otherwise, I think the bad Blade Runner just delivers. I just think I connected more with the second one. I don't know what it was. I mean, I think they're both great. Mm-hmm. You're a cop. I did your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. So, back to Roger Deakins. Oh, basically, what, like, what I get... By the way, shout out to another podcast. Roger Deakins has his own podcast called Tim Deakins, which I think every filmmaker listens to because he interviews directors as well. Oh, wow. I've actually never listened to that. I'll, I'll make a note of that. Oh, it's very nice. He actually interviews many, many roles, so it's very nice. Like, just not just cinematography. But what he says, basically, is experiment, play around with light, and then the more simple the setup, mm-hmm. the better the lighting is. And that's true. You don't need a complex lighting setup to make something look nice. Sometimes that one bulb might make a huge difference. So uh, apart from Roger Deakins, is there any other cinematographers you really look up to? Um, so there's a couple of... Akira Kurosawa has worked right? Mm. But I think at the time he was cinematography wasn't as prominent, so I don't think it was his cinematographer that actually did so much with a camera, but it was Kurosawa himself. So, like Akira Kurosawa, if you watch his film, it's the camera is part of what's happening, and he people say Hitchcock the use of camera, but it, I think it's really Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. Like did it better. And what what was his big films like? What is there one that people most people should probably have seen? Um, well, there's Seven Samurai with Mark Hamill. Yes, which I, you keep telling you've been telling me to watch this for a year, and I keep letting you down. I'm sorry, mate. Yes, you've been ignoring me. I know. I'll try and watch I it. I'm fully aware. <laughs> um, there's you're you know you're British. Yeah. The, he one. has made Macbeth. Ah, the newer one. Up in Japan. Oh, okay, okay. He made a Japanese version of Macbeth. Yeah, Japanese, and it's very nice. Ah, okay. And, okay, there's obviously Ram, mm-hmm. which is just an epic. It's, I think, three and a half hours long, and it looks just amazing. You and you so... do love a long film, don't you? You love a long oh, film. Oh, I, I love a long film, yeah. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I love a 90-minute film. Maybe that's... I want a 90-minute film where I'm like, you know, I'll just chill, watch a small film, go to bed, right? But if it's like after, it's the afternoon, maybe it's three or four o'clock, and a four-hour film is just perfect. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you watch any westerns, any of those spaghetti westerns, uh-huh. they're all based on Kurosawa films. So the classic, um, sorry, what's his name? The good, the bad, and the ugly ones, like this. Yeah, Clint Eastwood. A classic Clint Eastwood western. They're all based on Kurosawa uh, films. Oh, okay. I think I think I did know that, but I mentioned it before. But that's I think that's really interesting. Like, it's so I can, cool. I, I think also... he, yeah, I'm thinking about that. I think it's you, I can see it is actually from like what I've seen of that type of cinema. I think I can definitely see the, the resemblance. Oh yeah, they they mm-hmm. uh, they they openly credit him. As the as a screenwriter of those films, 
and then there's the hidden fortress which George Lucas has said mm. is the inspiration for Star Wars. Ah, okay. To the point where he wants Obi Wan Kenobi to be played by Kurosawa's main star, Toshiro uh, oh. Mifune, who plays all the Kurosawa films. So he was meant to play him before, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, before Alan Martinez, yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. So Kurosawa, man. Get on that. We're back to the sort of back to you and 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 your cinema cinematography journey. So mm-hmm. we obviously COVID sort of ruins the course a bit for us all, especially the practical guys like you. But you get this sort mm-hmm. of amazing opportunity after the course has sort of ended that you get to take the equipment from Screen Academy and you guys get to go make your films. And you DOP two short films, so I thought we'd just sort of talk about them both a bit. Mm-hmm. Of course. So oh, the first okay. one you did was. I think it was called Don't Mind the Ghost, of, am I right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about that film and, and what your process was. Uh, so Don't Mind the Ghost is a horror film with comedy uh, elements in it. Uh, it was directed by Abby Raimi. He's very talented. A very talented American director. Sadly, he's back to the USA. Sadly. Hopefully um, see you again. Yeah, so he'll come back. So my process for that was basically, it's the similar process to whenever I work with a director. I always ask, what films do they think inspired them? So I can then watch the films. And then what I would do is I would watch a large number of genre films. Mm-hmm. And then if, if my process is similar to my trailers. I would get tropes and techniques that are used on those films, right? So on the horror one, there are slow pushing and push out, revealing the space slowly to create tension. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did on Don't Mind the Ghost. But then, because I like experimenting, I tried to integrate more things. So I started watching series like Atlanta and ah, okay. House Hill, like House. And then there's an, a specific episode of Atlanta where this guy goes to the house and they try to make it look like get out. Ah, okay. And I noticed that they're always filming mm-hmm. in a room at another room. They're always filming from the next room. I've watched um, The Hunter and Phil House and I thought, from a cinematography point of view, that was absolutely stunning and so well oh, filmed. So nice, I know. I struggled to watch it though because I'm terrified. Terrified of horror. Oh, I was the same. I can't watch horror, and I couldn't. I can't watch that. that like I can't watch a horror film on my own. I'm, I'm happy to admit that on my podcast. But um, but like some of the shots in that man, they're so good. Like the tracking episode. It's so nice, especially seven. Oh, crazy. Mm. So basically, my process is. I see things and I realize why they're using them and I try to find a way to use them in my film. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did with my ghost. And then, of course, there are some shots that I just like because they look nice. Famously, some would say, I drank texted my director one night about a shot I thought of. And I was very excited. And she actually let me shoot it. It's one of the nice shooting shots of the film. Wow. And and that was a really exciting shoot, wasn't it? Because you guys lived on set for that. Uh, yeah, me, Abby, my friend, the assistant camera, and the sound guy all lived on set, yeah. And that was like in a kind of a haunted house almost, right? It was meant, or it kind of was meant to be one, right? Yeah, so it looked like a haunted house. It was in the middle of fucking nowhere, in Peebles. Was it quite spooky to live in? You know what? Not much during the shoot. And on the last day, mm. we were talking about, oh, Right, and then yeah. horror stories, and because they had windows everywhere, <laughs> I was spooked. 
Did you keep looking out thinking, oh no, I can see, I can see some ghosts? It was like, oh, more, if someone walks outside now, I can see them. I'll pick out. That's what I find. It's going to just be like, it's, it was cool that you guys got to go and film there. It looked sick. Yeah, that was, yeah. It looked, it, I'm very happy with how it looks. Yeah, and it's in so post it's, right now, right? It's in post at the moment. Um, We're now corrugating it. Oh, wow. So that'll be out soon, right? Yeah, it's going to be done. And I'll link to the Instagram on the podcast when I put it out so people can find that and I'll find out a bit more about it. And then the other film I did. Yeah, the other film you did, which we actually worked on. Well, I was involved on the set for that one, so I was, and we filmed. I mean, you were involved. Yeah, I was I very involved. You could say, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a musical. Yeah. So the the second film you DOP'd was is called Dancing with Someone Else, and it's a musical. Well, right? you know about that a bit of random. Oh yeah. Um, so before we actually shot that film, me and Leo actually worked together on an advert for it, which was quite fun. I enjoyed that. It was quite, it was very well accepted as well. Yeah, it was a well, yeah, well received. That was my, you could say, directorial debut. So technically, we it's have all. collaborated together. Amazing directing, yeah. yeah. So hopefully, a partnership we can return to in future. Exactly. So I've worked with you as well. Yeah. So dancing with someone else, how? Because that's obviously musical, very different style to the one you've done before. So that must be quite an interesting change for you. It's nice to try many things. Also, I can do musical as well, and it also shows that you have like a the range mm-hmm. like you can do many things because I think it's important uh, to realize yeah I have like our own time, right mm-hmm. definitely but like in my opinion always the style of the film needs to share a story you know me I like colors mm-hmm. but colors wouldn't match the horror one I couldn't be like oh yeah let's add some yellow and blue and green but they did match so I do have my signature. I think the OPs need to like have like a signature. It needs to share the yeah. yeah, I think you definitely do have a quite a unique style in terms of. I think definitely what you said about color. Like I think you have such a good eye for color, and I think you can see that on your art as well on the posters you make. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I take this as a compliment. <laughs> no, it's true though, and um. Yeah, I think I'm excited to see both films. I, I like also that you, how you push yourself because you're not particularly a fan of horror or musicals as genres. So yeah, I'm not. That's true. That shows you how open-minded you are to working with other people. Oh, yeah, it's an experience. Like, you learn from everything you do. So how did you find filming the musical in the theatre and stuff? And it was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely do it again. It's different than a set. It doesn't really let you do many. It's a bit more static, isn't it? Yeah, like angle-wise. Now that I've seen that uh, of it as well, right? Angle-wise, it does restrict you, but also like frees you up a bit. If that makes sense, it's, it's weird. Yeah, because I find it so interesting. Because when I mean, I was on set as a, I was obviously a runner and stuff, and I find it really interesting watching the ca- you guys as a camera team work. I thought that you were great because, I mean, I got to see you guys in the house, and then I got to see you guys in the fear, and it was interesting to see the sort of different way you guys worked. Well. I've been blessed with an amazing camera on both of them. Yeah, and I think I just wanted you to sort of, as we sort of get to the end of the bit about your films, just to sort of talk talk, talk about how important a camera team is because it's all about oh, collaboration, isn't it? It's yeah, it's like you can't and having around people and you like if you get along, super important. It's again like I feel we've been this year with a camera crew because. We were already like close, but now a year after, 
there's um there's five of us i consider all guys like a family and plus like them and now who are undergrads on our the undergrad course and work with us some of them are very talented and maybe even if you have a like a bad day just the energy of you rubs off on you and you can't like you can't have a bad day on set amazing I just, and also, do you mind quickly just sort of explaining the different roles of a camera team, just for anyone listening who might be interested in getting into that? So you have your director, right? Basically, he's like the director, directs light, and but then you have your NPC, who is the focus puller. You see, basically, well, in my case, Father Power, Father Peter King. <laughs> um, so the Lala is my first AC. He will measure the distance from the camera to the obviously we want to have the focus on. And then she will take note and throughout the thing see the one fully focus. So she's the one telling the camera and your eye what to know. You know, she's actually been um, mentioned now on both episodes of the podcast so far, so that's a testament to well, her. Delilah is a fucking Yeah. And just the positive on our amazing. Uh, then we have the second AC, who in my case is Alex Roberts. Uh, the second AC is the clapper loader. He rides the clapper you see on Super Reel, and then he's basically there to help in any way he can with setting up the camera, moving around. He's basically, you know, the, one of the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have your gaffer who does lights. So I would tell how this is what I want. Here are some references. Here are some references to the feeling on the light to audience. Because the way it's lit is a question of how you was right? If you see dark space online, a well lit world feel at home or cold. So I say my gaffer, that's how I want it to be. And the gaffer does the lights basically with his light your head, lighting assistance. Who are basically her her heart on set. Mm. Um, I say her because again, <laughs> yeah. my gaffer is old, Claudia Bobe. But they're all super so, Yeah, it's all so important, isn't it? Like every role is, you know, it's essential, isn't it? Oh yeah, you can't, you can't have a good film without everyone just being involved in the game. Uh, yeah, I was having this conversation the other day. Every department feels. They are the most important department. Like I've said on set, like as a joke, well, if we don't press the call button, obviously, but it's equal, all the parts are equally important because if sound doesn't press the call, then moving. If the director doesn't direct the actor, moving. If costumes don't show up, there's no movie. Like every department is equally important. Exactly. Like it's sexier being a director because that's who gets the fame. But if you like what you're doing, like, I realized that I'm not in it for the Oscars and the after the fame. I mean, doing camera. So, someone who is doing costumes doesn't really care that, oh, I don't know who made it from 1917. And it's, but I never said, I said, oh, 1917 costumes don't look nice. They look fucking amazing. The more seamless it is, the better the job. Like, yeah. Just get a real job. So I ask everyone that comes on the the podcast to talk about their 
the worst part-time job they'd ever had. So do you have any horror jobs you've done in your time? <sighs> Jimmy, you know what well. <laughs> that I work in a famous brand, Sue brand right now. Which we can't name. And it's, we can't name for thing. It's probably the most boring job I've done in my life. It's mind-numbingly boring. Has there been any sort of funny stories, anything funny happened at it to at least make it amusing? Um, well, yeah, we've had, you know, you know we've had classic YouTube stories. We've had little customers. We've had people trying to steal shoes. <laughs> steal shoes from it? Yeah. I mean, you are in Scotland. You know, who steals these shoes? <laughs> did, you uh, you know, like sh- did you have to chase them out of the shop? Well, no, because they won't let us. Ah, okay. Because, listen to me, if you're going to steal these shoes, you're clearly mental. <laughs> if you go to Fortnite and from all the suits of them, suits ours to steal from. Okay, so you de- you'd confirm the location of your shop. So, I mean, you can narrow it down. Well, if there you... are many shops there. <laughs> but if you choose ours, you clearly have issues to work through. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to say someone who steals from that. But, of course, as um, me and Lev talked about on the last episode of the podcast, I think, mm-hmm. obviously, in this industry, we want to do what we love, but um, you sometimes have to work these part-time jobs to support your art, and it is important, isn't it? That's, yeah, it, it, that's both, yeah, hard to. And I think if it, for anyone who's in that position now, and it seems like they're never going to amount to anything, and they feel like, I may as well just give up, just be patient, because a lot of people will get a job, and they'll have to come back and work something they don't particularly like, mm-hmm. and, it, it, you know, it's just patience, and, you know, I think it's, personally, I think it's worth it if you love what you do, and you love the art. That's true, like, and it's what I've, like, realized is that, you know, people might be this because it's sexy and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to be a celebrity. It's really not glamorous. You have to work crap jobs to finance it. And there might be times when you might have made five things, right? Mm-hmm. And then for two years, you can't find work for reasons because you might, you might want to take a break or you... Or there might be a global pandemic. Yeah, pandemic, right? <laughs> I emailed I emailed today camera people on Greenbank and most of them replied to me, oh, you know, due to pandemics, we don't really film anything, we will keep in mind. But I got one or two emails telling me, oh, wow, you worked this year? How lucky. Oh, wow. I was like, oh. Did you yeah, lucky, feel but... quite grateful in a way? Yeah, they, they, I, it, the email was kind of aggressive. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, like it's... It's weird. It's weird. You, you, and they've told us. They like Rory has said. You want to like go from being a second day to a third day. You might have to say no to five or six jobs that want you as a second, right? You need to be ready to say, "Oh, I'll get a crap job to be able to pay rent." I say crap. I'm finding anyone crap for me, but that doesn't mean the job is crap. If someone wants to do retail. Yeah, but no, I know. I know totally what you mean. It's like if people want to work in retail, and people are happy doing that. Then I'm, you know, that's totally, you know, I'm happy for them. I've, but I think it's it's okay. It's also okay for us to not enjoy the you know the part time job yeah, we do right yeah. now. But that's because we're so passionate about what we want to do, and I think that's totally valid. Exactly. Yeah. So before we wrap up the podcast, I just wanted to ask you. Lastly, do you have any tips for anyone? I know you kind of have just sort of given the kind of tips there, but do you have any tips for anyone? who wants to be a cinematographer, like what would you say to them if they're at the start of their journey in that? I'd say to them, don't listen to me, I just graduated. <laughs> I know, to but you still have some... 
Yeah, of course. But you have some. I think you have some. I think you've been very modest, and you have some valid things to say. Um, I'd say like experiment. Like this is your time to experiment. Don't be afraid to take risks. And these films are not the end of the world. Like your your student films. Nobody, even students, don't watch student films. Yeah, that's no, true. So would you would you would you recommend people watch short films though? Oh, definitely, but yeah. not not short student films. <laughs> no, come on, there'll be some good ones there. Oh, no, there are film festivals out there. <laughs> short film festivals that have some very good short films. Watch yeah. them. If you want to make short films, watch them. Because short films and future films are two different entities and I don't think people really understand that. No, definitely. I think there's some there's some such good short films that have really changed my perspective as a writer and a creative, so definitely worth watching. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. You've done music, theater, screenwriting, overwhelming running. Who's gonna interview you? Well, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure because a few people have said that to me. So obviously, I'd like I'm doing the podcast in, at the moment, and I'm going to interview loads of other people I know. But I would actually love to to do a special episode where somebody asks me all these questions because I've, I've got lots yeah, to say. I want to hear your story. Yeah, well, I mean, if you want, we could arrange a day and you can interview me. Oh, love the job. Well, that's an exciting future episode. But Leo, are you sure you want? My accent on the podcast again. Yes, I want more of it. If anything, I, I, I'd like. I just wanted. So, thank you so much. For coming. Yes, that's what I was about to ask you. I didn't even have to. I wanted you to end on that. Thanks for coming in and oh, speaking to you. us. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Just Get a Real Job. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Leo. He just gives off this sort of energy on set and he's always such a joy to be around. So I hope that came across on the podcast and I hope you found what he had to say interesting and useful. So if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter at Just Get A Real Job, subscribe to the podcast, share us, anything like that goes such a long way at this early stage. And yeah, I hope you're enjoying it and I'll be back again next week with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. See you then. Just get a real